Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Comics Collective. I'm your host, Dallas Taylor. And I'm Lexi. And for today's episode, we're going to be going over and discussing Superman with Eric Azana from the Geek Explained podcast. Hello, I am that Eric Azana that he mentioned just now uh, from the Geek Explained podcast. I am super excited to be on the show to talk about Superman. It's going to be a good one. We were shooting the breeze before recording, and I think this is going to be fun. We seem to like to make fun of the same stuff. Well, I mean, you know, you got guys flying around in bright colors and capes, so what's not to make fun of? It's some real deep brain stuff, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, I took my brother-in-law to go see Godzilla vs. King Kong with me a couple weeks ago, and he was so mad the whole time. He's like, this is the dumbest movie I've ever seen. And I was like, no, you see, your head has to be hollow for the kaiju to live inside of it. <laughs> see, and it's... It, it's just funny because it's like I did the same thing watching it. I was like, this is the dumbest movie I've ever seen. But it's all about inflection. Exactly. You, you have to go with the right expectations because like the real disconnect for me is that he and I love superhero stuff. And we sat down and we watched the Snyder Cut and we're like, all right, yeah, that was that was exactly what we expected. And we liked it, you know. And then he looked at me just full of confidence. It was like Godzilla vs. King Kong was a stupid movie. I was like, God, dude. Dude, it's the same garbage. <laughs> you got to accept it's all garbage if you're going to play. <laughs> That's a great, great way to intro our podcast about said garbage, you know? Um, That's what we're here for. Garbage opinions about garbage material. Exactly. Um, renames the podcast to just dumpster fire. We've already <laughs> renamed it once. We can't do it a third time. I know. We'll lose I any know. sort of brand recognition. Okay, it's but fine. if we're if we're being real here, like if we're talking comics, you can rebrand as many times as you need to. I know, it's, it's just a reboot at that pro. point. Yeah, we'll you just a, start the numbering back at a brand new number one. We'll have a brand new number one every 10 issues. You're going to have to have read all the ones before. It's not going to be a real jumping on point, but it oh, will yeah. have a number one on it. Yeah, it's going to be all new, all different, uh, Comics Collective Now. We'll just keep, <laughs> keep rebooting. We're going to do like... We'll do like the point one initiative, you know, <laughs> oh, point God. one episodes. I remember that. Oh, I was going through my old singles. I'm trying to like clean out my long boxes. I was like, man, they tricked me into buying a lot of garbage over the years. That's how they get you. Like when they, when I found out when I was very early on in my comics collecting mania, uh, when I found out, oh, there are actual boxes made specifically to hold these things. I knew it was over. I knew that this was going oh, to be yeah. my life now. Oh, yeah, and they made them really opaque and ugly, so you kind of hide them somewhere, and you forget <laughs> everything you have, you know? There is no looking at your single issues. They just go into this box. They disappear forever until at some point you're like, I have 10 long boxes. I have a problem. Never never forget when you thought that mom gave away all of yours from high school, and she pulled a fast one and saved them all and made you cry on Easter. <laughs> that happened. My mom... She goes, look... I thought I tricked you, but look at all these comics I kept for you. And then he cried. Yeah, there was like a three-year gap where I was like, oh, I guess I lost the beginning of my collection. Oh, well. And then, wow. lo and behold, she played really the long game. that whole resurrection deal with your, yeah, with well, your yeah, comics she, collection. You know, it was the real heart of Easter, uh, resurrecting <laughs> my comics collection. <laughs> right next to Dreaming the colored eggs Easter. and the candy. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's how we have to. That's how I should start pitching Sunday school to people. Like, it's like the X Men. People don't quite stay dead. <laughs> yeah, they just go into an egg for a little while and they hatch all over again. And they just come right back out. It's perfect. Um, we we've already deterred from the script. I told you this would happen, and <laughs> we did. It's perfect. Um, so I'm going to say very half-heartedly before we get into all of that. <laughs> <laughs> I want to plug our socials right here in the beginning for all the new listeners. Please go follow our Twitter account at CMX Collective, as well as our Instagram at The Comics Collective. And we... Also, also, right off the top, before you cut us off and go on another tangent, <laughs> everyone pause and rate and review us we want to know how we're doing and we want your opinions on our zero brain cells podcast we want to know so just tell us i don't want your real opinion i want you to be fake nice to me i want you to give it a five say it's great you don't have to listen if if this is your jumping off point that's okay um perfect perfect you just sign off you're like great i'm done i'm out of here great episode guys Ah, ah. I'll just do my you impersonation. It'll be really fun. It'll be like a one-man theater thing. Oh, wonderful. Um, (laughs) And with this marvelous, flawless, perfectly scripted start, let's jump right into the thick of it. Eric, do you want to talk to us about your relationship with Superman? Why? Maybe introduce the books we're going to talk about and why you picked them. Just kind of vamp for us for a couple minutes. Sure, yeah. Vamping is really what I do best. If you go on my <laughs> podcast, that's really all it is. Um, but yeah, uh, I am a deep-seated Superman fan. I've been a Superman fan from uh, a very early age. He was actually the first superhero that I was ever introduced to. And I am, for context, sitting here in my Superman shirt to really just live the uh, live the character. But I have always had this really... Um, incredible relationship with Superman. He's been my favorite superhero for as long as I can remember. And what's been so great about Superman as a character is I, when I was a kid, I loved, you know, him flying all over the place, the colorful costume, his, you know, his smile, the way that he would make people feel warm about him. And then as I grew up, I started to really get into all the different facets of the character. And I started to enjoy him for even more reasons. You know, him being of two worlds really spoke to me as someone who who's, you know, a multi-ethnic guy growing up, you know, kind of caught between my uh, Asian relatives, who I'm a little bit too white for to be a full Asian, and then my white relatives, who I'm a little bit too Asian for to be completely white. And being, you know, in that and having that perspective has always like kind of stuck with me, someone who is trying to kind of balance both. Also, my mom was born and raised on a farm in Indiana, but not can- not Kansas, but still. And getting those kind of values instilled in me very early on really uh, got me attached to the character. And the books that I wanted to talk about, because... Um, Dallas got in contact with me and he was like, you know, do you have like a, a Superman book that you would be interested in? And I immediately thought to myself, I I don't know if he knows what he's asking um, <laughs> because I could go on for hours and hours and hours talking about Superman books. And I do. But the books that I wanted to kind of 
spotlight this time around were uh, three of my all-time favorite Superman books, that being Superman Birthright by Mark Wade and uh, Laniel Francis Hugh, Superman Smashes the Clan by Jean Lun Yang and Gurihiru, and what I think is probably the best Superman story of all time, All-Star Superman, written by Grant Morrison, with art by Frank Quietly. These are kind of my go-tos whenever I'm recommending stories to people, if they want to get into Superman, if they want to know what he's all about. And uh, I have always, anytime someone has said, you know, I don't really get Superman, I don't really understand him, he's boring, he's overpowered, he's blah, 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 blah. I always hand them my copy of All-Star Superman and... I have a 100% success rate by turning <laughs> them around with that story. So this is the Superman, you know, breakdown. This is my holy trinity of Superman books. And that's kind of why I wanted to bring those up and talk to talk to you guys about them. Yeah, they're, they're really great. You are the reason I finally pulled the trigger on getting a hard copy of Superman Birthright. So I'd like to thank you for that. Oh, that's wonderful. But I... I knew when I wanted to do a Superman episode because I had one of those Superman is boring unless he's evil conversations with a friend of mine. <laughs> and I was like, oh boy, am I going to rant about you for an hour and a half <laughs> on my podcast that you're not going to listen to. Um, but then I immediately was like, all right, whose podcast do I listen to that I know love Superman? And I was like, I, it's got to be Eric. I have to talk with him about <laughs> Superman. And so I, I'm really glad to be here talking about these books. Um, yeah, Alexis, Alexis, these were your first Superman comics, right? Yep. What, Very first. Awesome. What was your experience? Did we have a hundred percent success rate turning you to the character? Of oh, Superman? I love. I mean, I'm gonna be honest. I've always liked Superman. I, I of course haven't ever had an experience like reading him in comic form, but of course I've seen him all over just media in general. Um, but the very first. Out of the three, the very first one that I read um, was Superman Smashes the Clan. And that book, like, honestly brought tears to my eyes. Like, I loved, I loved those ones. That was my favorite. And after that, I was like, yeah, this is going well. This is going really well. I like where this is going. So I'm a fan. I loved it. It was such a fun. I I felt um, out of all of the episodes and all of the, the things that we've gone through and read, I think that I probably um, read this the fastest and like I didn't want to put it down. And I feel like I I didn't realize how fast I was going through it. So, <laughs> Yeah, honestly, Superman Smashes the Clan is probably my favorite Superman story of the last like five, maybe ten years. Um, if we're talking about strictly like graphic novels and not like ongoing series. Yeah. And it's just, it is classic superman and i always like i loved it so much that i got all the singles for it i still have them and i got the collected edition like it spoke to me on a spiritual level that is how much i love that book i'm right there with you i i picked it up for the first time just off of a recommendation for someone because i i missed it the week it came out but then someone's like you have to go get this book and i'm so so glad that i did it's a book I want to buy and give to people. You know, I've, I'm starting right? to learn that, like, there are comics I really love and I really enjoy. And then there are comics that I understand are so good 
that all I want to do is buy it for everyone that I know and give them a copy. <laughs> so more people. He does do that. Yeah, I, I gift books to people that don't really care about them. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. And then he, he smashes the plan in this one. <laughs> it's in the title. It's right. <laughs> they told you. They didn't even, They didn't bury the lead, okay? It's right there. There's <laughs> That's the clan. journalism. And he smashes them. It's right there. And it's Superman. I don't know if I pitched that originally. They're like, you did. You did. Thanks for buying me another book. I'll put it in the Dallas box. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have a Dallas box. See, that's oh. that's when you know that you're... You have a uh, a theme. Exactly. Yeah. I I think I'm pretty predictable. People are like, oh, wait, is this story about like compassion and accepting people? And is it about like sticking up for the little guy? I'm like, no, yes. No. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it's about. Well, Which and that's is, what Superman's about, honestly. It is. And I I feel like I've learned to love Superman as I've gotten older. Like when I first started reading comics, I very much did see him as like the Boy Scout, you know, mm-hmm. the Boy Scout to Batman's much cooler, edgy guy. And then like, as I've gotten older, I've been like, oh, no, we need Boy Scouts. We need I love just the paradigm of like the most powerful character not being corrupted by that power. That is such a good message, such a good thing to center your whole universe around. And Superman's become more and more important the more I've come to appreciate that pathos. Well, and it's a it's a story that we don't hear all that often anymore. Like the the popular thing right now, it feels like is to what if Superman but bad and, you know, this kind of continuing cycle of like absolute power corrupting absolutely is really compelling. But when you're hearing it in every story, it becomes less compelling. And the idea of someone who has all the power in the world to be a ruler, a dictator, a villain, but chooses instead to work at a newspaper, get people coffee, and pull cats out of trees is something that's super compelling to me. Mm-hmm. I I agree. And it's, it's a, a perfect kind of escapism as well. I think there's a desire to bring a lot of the cynicism of the real world into these comics and i think superman stands in opposition to that superman stands as an ideal for what the real world often is and can be on a greater scale and i i want more fiction like that honestly and i think i i had a very good week as i was reading these superman books and i don't think it's a coincidence you know yeah, it's it's that whole idea of you know you you get what you put out into the universe and superman is Probably as good as you can put out. Yeah, yeah. I I would love to see him adapted that way. Um, that's a that's a conversation for later, though. I I want to talk a little bit first about Superman Birthright, just yes. because that's a more strict Superman origin story, and it was the one book of the bunch I hadn't read yet. Like it it always floated around on my list, and I was like, I'll get to it someday, and I finally got to it for this, and I I adored this book like i i knew a mark wade superman book would be good i like i like mark wade's work i thought his daredevil was excellent and i was like i bet he writes a good superman and the way he was able to retell the familiar story in a compelling and new way with little bits of the modern world woven into it was was breathtaking honestly and i thought it really captured the core of who superman is 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, when I first came across this book, I was um, still very early on in my comic book collecting phase. And what I've come to know, if anything, is, you know, certain and will never change about the world and about comic books is that Mark Wade is the biggest Superman fan in the world. Like... (laughs) I don't care how big of a Superman fan anyone thinks they are. Mark Wade is a bigger Superman fan than you. And it shows like in this book. And I absolutely agree. Like his daredevil run is my favorite version of that character. Mm-hmm. And when you team up somebody who just gets these kind of characters with somebody who has the kind of artistic um, genius that Lanil Francis, you has it's, it's a recipe for magic. And this book mm-hmm. is one of the uh, the trade that I have is one of my oldest uh, oldest possessions. Like there are pages in here that like I had a uh, there's a big rainstorm, I think, back in like the late 2000s. And this book survived through that. And so <laughs> it's like it is aged. It is worn. And it is honestly like. Superman endures. <laughs> that's the, yeah, yeah. That's the whole you know thing about it. And this being kind of like a modern retelling of Superman is just—it's one of. And I don't like using this word too often, but it is what it is as close to a perfect Superman origin story for the modern eras you can get. I would agree. I. I think that it captures and distills the heart of the character really well. It makes it simple. It makes it straightforward. And it says, this is who Clark Kent, who Superman is. And this is how he's going to react in your world. And I think it tackles one of the the talking points a lot of people have that there isn't a, like a compelling antagonist for Superman. That mm-hmm. he's, he's too overpowered. He can beat anybody up. But when you make him confront people's pessimism people's skepticism it becomes really interesting when it's not his power set that is the thing that has to overcome but it's his values it's who he is that has to overcome the antagonist and i think that's why i mean lex luther is such an interesting antagonist to superman that it shows like these are both supermen in their own fields but like the the conflict isn't fists versus brains it's optimism versus pessimism and i think while i love all-star i think it's amazing i love superman's match of the clan i think it's amazing i think birthright really distilled for me that central point of superman in the most effective way well and it's really relevant too like you know you talk you mentioned uh the idea of like what does what hurts Superman isn't like some gigantic battle, though this book definitely does have that. Yeah, uh, yeah. He, he famously and to the delight of many people fights a giant spider in this. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole idea of um, basically the defamation campaign that Lex runs on him in this book is very relevant, like cancel culture or the whole deal around that. Like it's the idea of that is very current it's very relevant today and when people say those things that like oh man you know you can't tell you know that story went around where it's like warner brothers wants to make a superman film but they just don't know how to make it relevant it just it Mm -hmm. 
it makes me laugh because like come on like, how could he not be any right more here. yeah <laughs> he's the most relevant character <laughs> yeah um i've been taking up a lot of the airwaves alexis what are your thoughts about superman birthright <laughs> i'm sorry i'm just sitting back and listening to you guys you guys like goodness just kiss already you got such good <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm like intruding. Um, but no, I thought that it was like, in my um, ignorant opinion, um, I felt like it was just like such a good core Superman story. Like I, when I read that, I was like, yes, like this is what I recognize. This is what I know. But it also gave me a lot of good background of things that I didn't necessarily already know. Um, I liked how we were able to see um, the relationship with Lex Luthor. That was very interesting to me. I'd never really been introduced to that, like how um, it showed how um, he had become so obsessed with like what he was working on, how it affected his life and like how it pushed him to be where he was now and how it also affected Superman's on the opposite. And I thought it was very interesting to um, see. I thought it was super funny. The scene where Clark in, meets Lex Luthor for the first time since seeing him as a child. And he was like, it's been a while since um, since like we were kids. And Lex Luthor's like, I have no idea who you are. And I was like, ooh, that feels like me anytime I see anybody in public. Like, are you I have saying no you're Lex you Luthor? No, I'm saying I'm freaking Clark Kent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, they pretend not to know you. Yeah, it's actually it's actually happened in real life, but it's fine. Um, being a girl. <laughs> well, but I think that's like a that's something that like that scene where everybody is like sitting in the bar and they're like, oh, yeah, we ditched, you know, Trent. And they're like, Kent, it's like whatever. And then it like zooms out to him in the opposite building. I it's cried. like. I we've cried. all been there. Like we've all been in those kind of situations. It's sad. And the sad part is like he's doing it on purpose. That's one thing yeah. that I thought was super interesting to think about is like it's a whole facade that he's got to put on in order to protect himself. And that's just something that stood out to me. And I was like, yeah, he could be like badass Superman in real life and just be like, yeah, what of it? Like I'm Superman. What are you going to do about it? But he's like, no. He's created his um, Clark Kent character almost perfectly so that nobody can compare the two because they're so insanely polar opposite. So that's something I saw that was really cool. I well, he took the time to, uh, you see when he gets to Metropolis, he's got those acting books, like the Meisner mm -hmm. technique yeah. and everything too. And I love that touch. I also just loved the the concept of Lex not being able to figure out who Superman is because he refuses to believe that any good thing came out of Smallville other than him. That sure. and I think that comes up a little bit in All Star as well when Lois refuses to believe that Clark is Superman. Mm -hmm. That it's hard for people to believe that someone that's that gentle, someone that's that soft spoken, could also be their mighty Superman. And I love. I mean, there's the famous. A monologue from Kill Bill about how Clark Kent is a critique of humanity, and I think that really misses the point. I think Agreed. that I like it sounds pretty. It's a fun bit of the movie, but like I, I think that's poisoned a lot of people's perception of Superman and of Clark Kent. Clark Kent isn't a critique. It's 
he's purposely choosing to be in the background. He's choosing to be the opposite of what people are expecting him to be, not as any sort of cynical view of them. Because like that's the reality of it. He he doesn't stop being kind. He doesn't stop being sweet. He's still the guy that gets the coffee. He's still the guy that is always there for everyone else. He's just choosing not to be the center of attention. And I think a character like Lex Luthor just can't, or even Lois Lane, as much as I, I love and adore Lois Lane, it doesn't quite click for those two characters in these stories. That someone who has all of these natural born gifts, someone that could be the center of attention, is choosing not to be. Well, and that's always what I've liked about that Clark-Lois relationship, is Lois, like Lex, is so incredibly cynical to the world and rightfully so like she as someone who has been a reporter for any amount of time like she knows how bad the world can get and so her like her cynicism when it comes to like first meeting superman and then getting to know superman getting to know clark and you know separately and then together has always been something that i've really enjoyed um and i'm glad i'm so glad you brought up the uh the lex backstory because one of my favorite scenes is when he is it's during a flashback and lex like brandishes this new equipment he's like yeah like this is gonna detect like anything that's otherworldly and it starts mm -hmm. beeping at clark and clark's like oh no oh no and lex is just like oh it's beeping at you which means it doesn't work and he starts yeah, like he breaking out. out yeah he, freaks out. he just like goes off and um clark like picks it up and the next panel is just it chucked into space <laughs> he's like nope <laughs> Not doing this. Not today. <laughs> like we are not dealing with that ever again. <laughs> Sometimes I want to do that with my problems a little bit. Just chuck them into space. Oh, don't we like, all? Like, that's a superpower we don't talk enough about. But Superman can literally just say, never again. Zoop. Just chucks your stats homework into space. Don't talk about it. <laughs> I'm like a week and a half away from graduating college, and statistics is determined not to make that happen. Is it? But... <laughs> But we need some Superman escapism. No, it's kicking you into space. <laughs> you don't get True. to graduate. Um, I thought that moving away from all of that realism, um, back to my my star-spangled uh, escapism. Back to fantasy land. I, you're not going to bring the real world in here. This is a safe space. But <laughs> I, I, I thought this scene with the school shooting and then visiting the gun salesman was really interesting. Yeah. I've seen I've seen the panels of Superman with the gun and catching the bullet uh, like circling around the internet. But I thought within the context of the story, it was really, really interesting. It it's often per, like it it visually out of the context comes across as like a very Superman is so, so powerful and is terrifying this guy, right? With his superpowers. Yeah. But I think more than anything for me, that moment came across as Superman trying to make someone who was refusing to feel empathy feel the kind of empathy that Superman feels. Like The Superman of this story is someone who, in the opening pages, while in Africa, he feels for the people around that, him. He wants to protect them. He wants to lift other people up. And when met with someone who does not feel that same way, he goes to an extreme measure to show that person what that feels like to make them have the sort of empathy that he, that is required to be a person like Superman. Yeah, and the whole, um, the whole aura thing at the beginning with, um, yeah. 
in Africa is just it's heartbreaking because it's so beautiful when it's brought up. And then when uh, when Kobe dies, like mm-hmm. it is. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. I going back to to Africa and Kobe and all that, I thought it was really interesting how long the first Superman reveal in this book took. It almost reminded me of Ultimate Spider-Man, where you get Peter Parker for almost six issues before Spider-Man shows up. But it really shows you that, again, standing in opposition to that Kill Bill monologue, that, like, he is is who he is. And he puts on the suit, and he creates the double identity to protect his life. But, like, it's not the cape. It's not knowing that he's from Krypton that makes Superman Superman. Clark Kent, Kansas farm boy, is a Superman. He is somebody that puts himself out there and and acts like Superman. And it's only it's established later in the story. Like the dual identity is there to allow him to do that at a, on a more macro scale. And I thought that that was really fun. Yeah, I've always had a problem with that Kill Bill monologue. Like it's it's delivered very well, but like it it shows such a fundamental lack of knowledge in the character. Mm-hmm. And it just like, there is no world where Superman would do anything to mock people or to like, you know, see people as lesser because regardless of his powers, regardless of his gifts, regardless of where he comes from, he grew up in middle America. Like he mm-hmm. grew up on a farm being taught by two of the gentlest souls in the entire DC universe. Like, he is who he is because of Clark Kent, not because of Kal-El. And mm-hmm. like talking about the Kents, like that's one of my, this is one of my favorite interpretations of the Kents. Um, Ma Kent is this like uh, <laughs> alien believer. And it, it makes me smile every time I reread it. Cause like she reminds me so much of my mama. And uh, just the way that she has the bumper stickers and like she's constantly because, of course, like your your adopted son drops from the sky. You're going to gain an interest in UFOs and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like my mama once had a uh, uh, in her house. She used to have a bumper sticker that read UFOs are real. The Air Force is fake. And <laughs> like seeing seeing uh martha in this book always like reminds me of her and it makes me smile and the scene with uh with pa with jonathan kent is incredible he is so like he's this guy who has been raising this kid who he knows isn't his and as he gets older he becomes less and less like him and the the scene where he's like beating on the uh, Kryptonian pod until the barn collapses and Clark has to save him and pulls up, pulls him up in the sky. And he's just like, put me down. He's like, no, we're going to talk about this because you've been acting weird and forces him to kind of have that conversation. And it's it. Everything in this book feels so incredibly human from everything that we've talked about. Like this is one of the most human adaptations of the character. And I just, man, I love this book. Yeah. I love that you, you draw the comparison with Martha and your mama because I mean, Jonathan felt a lot like my dad to me was someone that very clearly (laughs) is, is full of love, wants to care for you but has a very hard time contextualizing the other, you know? That's something that I run into a lot, that 
like my dad and I are very different people. And I, as I've grown older, I've, I have been able to recognize more that he has to make an effort to understand how I'm different than him. You know, he has to, it's not, it doesn't come from a place of less love. Jonathan isn't acting this way because he cares any less for Clark than he did before. But sometimes it's easier to establish distance than to try and understand what's going on and being different. And there's this very real, like, Pawkent grew up in the country. My dad grew up in the country. And there's very much a culture of there is neutral. And the one emotion outside of neutral is angry. No matter what, like, no matter what negative emotions you have, you express that with anger. You go out in the barn and you beat something up with a sledgehammer. And there's this dichotomy you feel with Pa Kent where you're like, oh, you're such a gentle, kind guy, but you're like wailing on this thing with a sledgehammer. And that just, that rang very true to me, uh, sort of that middle America experience, that country experience of trying to to relate with your parental figure that that might not have all of the right tools to express where they're coming from emotionally. And I, I really loved when Clark and Jonathan talked about Jonathan's strengths, you know, talking about his service in the military, his life, and how, while it might seem like Clark is miles away from Jonathan, he really isn't. He really is amplifying his his dad. And just because he's starting to manifest his adult male life differently than his dad would, they don't have to be far apart. Like that that rang very true for me and it was it was really human. I liked it a lot. Yeah. So welcome to Superman Therapy Hour. <laughs> so I was like, does Don need to listen to this episode? Like, are you trying to say something here? No. We don't talk about our feelings. I just come onto a I started a whole podcast <laughs> about my feelings. I mean, that's why we all start podcasts, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just log on every week to hear free therapy. <laughs> broadcast into or the just world. Get therapy. For us, not the listener. Yeah. Yeah. The listener no, just has no, to it's not listener work therapy. Up, work <laughs> the listener sitting there like, I thought we were going to talk about Superman. And this guy's talking about his relationship with his dad. Oh my gosh. He had one good opinion on Twitter and I thought I'd throw him a bone. And now I have to listen to this. Jeez. That's how we get you with one good opinion. Exactly. One tweet goes viral and then you're stuck. You're stuck with me for life. It's a trap. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm flipping through my book right now. I was just looking at that Jonathan scene. I love the invention of Metropolis's Clark Kent over the course of the next few pages. Where oh, it's they, so cute. They sort of establish the the Donner like slunch and slouch and look different and just like carry yourself in a certain way to look different. I thought Layers. that was. Yeah, yeah, you, you can't wear a You're t-shirt. Yeah, you are too I ripped. I love how his, his mom's like, we all know, we can see it, you gotta hide it. And Superman's like, who, me? He's like, mom. No, I just, I love that, really? Like, mm, really? Maybe I will, and she's like, stop. Like, he doesn't know, like, he just, yeah. and that's, that's what I love that's about Clark, part. he's just so ignorant to, like, how fit he is. Exactly. I love the Clark that like doesn't know that every eye in the city is on him. You know, I love that. He's like, Oh, I, I could be anonymous. It's like, no, no, you couldn't, bud. I'm sorry. <laughs> you absolutely one tight could t-shirt not. away from everyone knowing who you are. <laughs> <laughs> we could play the xylophone on you. Like you're Jason Momoa. <laughs> Put on a sweater. Bounce a quarter off of you very easily. Exactly. 
Um, well, and then that's juxtaposed with that like full plate, full page spread of him as Superman. And it's just, it's a classic, like Superman catches the helicopter with Lois in it. But like, it's still like, it still gives me chills, like looking at it. And we've got our boy, Jimmy Olsen, just hanging upside down, screaming into the open air. Like, that's oh, Jimmy to Olsen. Timmy. <laughs> he ain't Jim when he screams. He's Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Jimothy, we'll have to do a Superman spell Jimmy Olsen fraction. Yeah, that is so episode someday. That's a whole. <laughs> that was the book that made me fall in love with Jimmy Olsen. Like I'd always read him, I was like, oh, Superman's pal. And then I read that book, and I was like, the most important character in the DC universe, mayhaps. <laughs> Old Jimply cheekbones. Old Jimply. <laughs> oh, that book is so good. That book is so good. I. I thought it was interesting. These three books, they had slightly different characterizations of the main Superman cast, Mm -hmm. but it never felt drastically different. Does that make sense? Like, I feel like I've read a lot of comics at this point where you get a certain writer's take on that character. But I think some of the magic of the three books that we read for this show was that Superman was constant. Lois Lane was constant. Jimmy was constant. You know, they were different iterations of the character. They were a little, they were the type of character that needed to be in that story. But the core was there. And so you really got this beautiful tapestry as we went from Superman's origin to like Superman post being Superman, but still figuring himself out and smashes the clan. And then Superman's last story with All Star. I thought that was really, really fun and showed the range that the character can have. Absolutely. I mean, it's that's why it always like boggles the mind when people are like, yeah, I just like I don't know how to get writing Superman. I'm like, it's so easy. Like you just have someone who's good. Like You, you just put a nice man right there. Let him be nice. Put a nice man in a cape. <laughs> just let him do nice things. It's Superman. Like. It's like that famous uh, Alan Moore, the script that's like, they fight for four pages. It's just like Superman, 22 pages. He is nice. He is. That's, that's the whole script. That's all, it, that's all it takes to write a good Superman story. All right, DC, put me in the round robin. Do I have a pitch for you? <laughs> Superman, he is nice. They're like, oh, first round, out of here. So long. Because <laughs> they'd put you up against Batman. He has a tank now. <laughs> Batman, he shoots. What? no he doesn't yes he does in this story (laughs) if you want goggle batman with machine gun vote against nice superman i'm like well all right i'll go work for boom but my superman is six issues of him just helping people on the street corner Uh, yeah yeah you you don't know what you're talking about here if i ever get a job man (laughs) man are people gonna have some aggressively everyday superman stories (laughs) i i love that term aggressively every day that <laughs> is like, now that is now my wish list aggressively every day superman i'll be in interviews i'll be like oh is there a big threat coming i'm like absolutely not no nope. <laughs> well he's it, gonna be late for a coffee date he yeah he will be late he might have to background save some stuff like all-star um <laughs> he's just very nice like you know, you have to have a conflict in your story. I'm like the conflict is you come into terms with him being nice for six straight issues. 
the conflict is how is he going to hold all of these coffee orders? I mean, he's Superman, but he's only got two hands. How nice can he be to Jimmy? Find out next week on he's going to be very nice, very pleasant. (laughs) Very, as someone that lived in Kansas, he's going to be very Kansas pleasant, okay? I'm so in for this aggressively everyday Superman pitch. All right, all right. I'm going to get DC on the phone real quick. All right, we're going to go to commercial (laughs) break here. Boy, do I have something for them. All right, returning from commercial, they told me no. They said uh, Omni-Man is very popular right now with the kids, so we're doing another evil Superman. Well, I mean, Omni-Man's just a classic good old American dad, so I get that. Yeah, he's there's nothing there. He's just a good old mustachioed dad. No complexity, just also similar, very, very nice. He's basically just Superman with a mustache. There's nothing different between them. Exactly. No need to read further into that. It's no. it's exactly face value. Maybe just even less sure than you, face value. Just make sure you end the episode right when the credits start. Exactly. We've been taught at this point. You don't have to care about what's <laughs> after the credits. All right? Especially not with superhero properties. No. No. The credits roll. You're done. There's nothing else there. Move on. <laughs> the worst part... Going back to uh, dear old WandaVision, the worst part for me was beginning to believe they didn't have end credit scenes. And then like the last three episodes, they were like, surprise, we did. And I was like, I, I still check The Winter Soldier when I watch it. So I, still I, would, check. I would see like screen grabs and I was like, I watched the episode. Where was that? How did I miss that? <laughs> oh, like the I finale back, episode where she's like in the cabin. I had to, I, yes. it was like four days and I was like, wait, I was like, that happened? I was yeah. fully awake and aware during this episode. When did that happen? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm maybe maybe I'm just watching these superhero shows wrong and that's why I'm falling out of love with them, but <laughs> just Well, it's a good thing we have classic good old Omni-Man to bring back those good old-fashioned superhero values. Just good old-fashioned, overly nice, aggressively ordinary Omni-Man where I would say he's aggressively nice. Like that that is how I would describe Omni-Man is aggressively nice because like there's nice and then there's Omni-Man nice where he's like, yeah, I'm nice to you, but I, oh my God, if you do not accept my niceness, I will rip your arm off. <laughs> I will pop you like a zit. <laughs> I want to like call but he would never like, do that because hey. he's Omni-Man. Oh, never, never once. Yeah. At the end of yeah, that episode when it. he was doing nice things with people. I was like, hey, honey, you like Dr. Pimple Bopper? Come in here. Come watch this. <laughs> this is He's how such it... good friends with the Guardians of the Globe. He is. They just they go to that birthday party, and they have a nice average time with no <laughs> nothing bad wine. happens. Lots of red wine. They get a little tipsy, and they all just they go home to their families. It's very nice. Well, I mean, the episode, episode two just starts off with them all just hungover and covered in wine. Yeah, and they're all taking a nice, a nice long nap there. They get to have a Some nice sleeping, yeah, a nice sleeping Saturday there. You know, <laughs> just a lazy, casual day. Very fun. <laughs> this podcast is unwatchable. If you're still here, thank you, thank you for putting up <laughs> with this. Um, Do you know what Alex- mom told me the other day? What? She goes, you know, I'm gonna be honest. I love you guys, but your podcast not for me. So I just turn it on and put the volume at zero while I sleep. <laughs> Good. 
know what? That's mom. That's still oh. a loyal listener. That I she's know, still she's so cute. In. And she's got her friends doing it too. <laughs> love that. I love All that now I know. All of are just them. I love that <laughs> I now know it's artificially inflated. There isn't actually anybody listening it's to It's mom and Boleyn. Just the two of them. Oh, good. 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 That's good for me. Um, and Dad all right. gave us one-star reviews. Still won't get over that. Yeah, yeah. My uh, my paw can't dad didn't know how the rating system worked, and so he thought he had to click slide the it. stars individually, like oh, slide no. it. <laughs> so he pushed one star, and I was like, thanks. He was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh gosh all right alexis rain it back bring it back in talk to us about why superman smashes the clan was your favorite one. Ooh, okay um i thought it was really interesting because i feel like we see a very early version of superman um i mean in this one for most of it he doesn't even fly which i find very interesting and i've never seen that before um, but I really loved how it was a Superman story, but like it still had the whole story of like that family as well and how they, um, were able to settle into their new life in the big city. And I thought that was very interesting to follow because it is set back in a time period, um, where life was different for, um, people that were moving to new big cities because we are introduced to this family who um, has been, their children have been raised in Chinatown and their, their father gets a new job opportunity. So he packs everybody up and they move to the big city. And I find it really interesting seeing how Superman addresses those issues while still being a hero, you know, like he still saves a day. He still does everything that Superman does, but through doing that he addresses all of the problems that that family is put through and that they face on their day-to-day while making this change and I, I really liked the way that it was written and I liked um, seeing how they addressed um, the things that came up I thought it was I thought it was really good yeah, yeah. I mean I I can't agree more with everything that you said like as an Asian American like this was already going to be a must buy for me. Like I knew immediately I was like, Oh, we're telling that story. Awesome. Um, and then touching on that whole, like I'm a military brat for context. So like my dad was in the air force and so we would have to move around a lot. So Mm -hmm. that spoke to me as well. Like just this book, it, it was almost like it was made for me. Like I would consider this, And now with the added context of this episode, like this is an aggressively ordinary Superman. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. he runs places. My favorite is just watching. Yeah. Just watching (laughs) the, uh, the pages of the panels where he runs just aggressively running. On the power lines. Yes. Uh, Because that makes sense. After they find out um, that Tommy's been kidnapped by the clan. I think it's, I'm looking at it right as the end of um, issue one is just him just like scooping up uh, <laughs> Roberta and uh, oh, what's his name? Um, uh, Chuck. 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 Yeah. Just scooping them up in his arms and just running at the, you know, <laughs> at at the viewer, essentially. <laughs> like, all right, we got to go. And 
it's like this is one of my favorite versions of Superman. Like I really dig depowered Fleischer style Superman and having him here like learning about himself, learning about his powers while at the same time dealing with uh racism and xenophobia and prejudice is super just oh man, it really it gets me invested in the character, gets me invested in the people. And Roberta Lee or Lanchin Lee spoilers um, is such a great character. And I, I would love to see her like pop up again, whether it's, you know, in another story or like an older Lanchin Lee, like she is so dynamic as our POV character. It's such a, I can't say enough good things about this story. Oh, for sure. When my my petition to get Gene Luen Yang on the Superman ongoing, we've made a good step forward. He's on Batman Superman. But when he's on the Superman ongoing, I would love to see Roberta and age up Roberta just work for the Daily Planet. Yeah. You know? Yeah, or oh, like see so the good. relationship that she forms with Lois. Like I would love to see those two together. Absolutely. Oh my god. Because at the end we like see the little snippet where she's like, Come come be a cub reporter and I'm like, Yes. Can we just have a book with those two? <laughs> yeah, and and the whole reveal with the pens, like I, I am I'm very secure. I can say that I openly cried. Like so I was cute. I was sobbing when she said like, you know, oh I have to give these back to you. Like they're yours. And she's like, no, it's LL Lanchin Lee. Like I was openly crying. Yeah, she's at... like, I did research on you. Like I know you. Oh. I was like. Ah! She's finally, Again, she, she feels seen. I just, ugh. It's so good. It's, again, to whoever, what whatever genius said Superman couldn't be relevant. I'm like, have you, you could read this. You could adapt this. The parallelism between the Lee family and coming to accept themselves in Metropolis yeah. and Superman coming to accept himself in Metropolis. I mean, I don't have to be in a very astute reader to see the parallel there, but I think it's really powerful and it's really strong that it's it's Roberta, it's Lan Shin that says, Clark, you are more and you get to be more. You don't have to pretend to be like them to be special. Yes. You don't just have to be the best version of them. Be the best version of you and they will love you for it. And I loved, I loved so much that it was the Unity House kids that rallied around Superman when he did decide to be himself because the reality is that the other people were scared of him being other him being different when yeah. he decided to stick his head up above the crowd the people that had adored him just before were now hesitant and it's that idea of the unity house kids the kids that would all come together it was them that cheered on Superman and I thought that was really powerful yeah, yeah this and you said it earlier too, like Superman is constantly like without even really trying and you don't have to change up the character at all. He was constantly the most relevant comic book character. Like even though this is set, you know, post World War Two, like this is still an incredibly relevant book right now. And it's going to be relevant 20 years from now, 50 years from now. It is so good in how it's able to take you know the events that were going on at the time and still relate them to what is going on today it's masterful work for everybody involved and Jim Lun Yang I've actually like he's he did a 
brief stint, a very brief stint in the New 52 um, Superman run post the... It, it was right around the time that they killed New 52 Superman, so he didn't get very much time with it. But um, he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing with that Superman. Well, he loves he loves the character. Like, yeah. his, like you said, Mark Wade loves the character. Gene Luen Yang loves Superman. It's, it's present in all, all this work. And I think... Going back to your point of the relevance of Superman, he, whatever iteration his motto becomes, it shares the, that original truth, justice, and the American way. It's like it's it's important to me. It, it resonates because Superman is the immigrant story, right? He's someone that comes yeah. from a faraway land. He crashes down in Middle America, and he makes a life for himself. And that any story that explores his his otherness, anything that explores how he has to fit into society and then what he can contribute by being unique is instantly impactful. And I think it's a story that will never go out of style. It'll never be any less relevant that you, who you are, you are a super person. You are somebody that has something that no one else has. And if you're willing to be that, you can change the world. And Superman is the prototype for what that looks like. And I think that that gets captured so well in Superman Smashes the Clan. It's amazing yeah. to see Superman stand up against bigots, against hateful people, to call them bigots in bed sheets. But, <laughs> but the, the heart of this character got is... Got him. Aggressively nice Superman. <laughs> <laughs> but he... <laughs> At the the heart of this Superman is him deciding to allow himself to be special and to change the world with that. And I think that's why this book will always be relevant. This is a book I want to put into people's hands because of that messaging. So I I loved it. I thought it was amazing on the reread. Yeah, it, I I always find new things to love about it. Anytime I reread it, like the whole um circus flashback where he you know learns about the idea of having dual identities he gets the idea from the uh the carnival barker that's also the strong man and he's like no there there's no way that he could be both that those guys could be the same way look at they carry look how he carries himself and just getting his inspiration from that strong man's costume it's so cool and then you have the flying graysons in there as well you do like, you do it made me smile. I I do have to say though, I I remember a couple weeks back I I commented on how cool your Fleischer shirt was on Twitter, but seeing Chuck in it here, I'm really glad not to be in your guys' club of uh, <laughs> having that shirt. I just like to he, point he's, out. he's cool by the end. Okay, <laughs> Chuck makes the right decision at the end. Chuck it's, does it's... make the right decision at the end. <laughs> and it's you know, I just I don't know, man, like. We've all we we all carry our our Superman fandom differently, and Chuck's not a bad kid. He just had bad upbringing. I love and... the scene. I love the scene where Chuck says he doesn't want his family to be evil. I thought yeah. that that was really, really, really impactful to have this kid who has the juxtaposition of being taught to be kind, to love people. Like you can tell when he interacts with his mom. He's taught to be a good boy, right? Mm -hmm. And then he sees those same people that tell him to be a good boy 
doing things that don't equate to that. And there is a very natural desire. I think it's something that I felt where there's this dissonance between what you feel is right and what you see your role models around you doing. And you, there is an instinct to try and justify that behavior. And I think Chuck's arc throughout the story is really, really important. And it's really relevant to today of deciding like, I don't have to be like that. Like, I don't have to excuse what they're doing. I don't have to participate in what they're doing. Like I can be my own good person. I can take the good and go and add more to it. You know, I thought that was a cool story to tell. And it's got full character arcs for all of our main characters. Like there are so many comics that I've read that I've enjoyed that like give us really interesting characters and then just go nowhere with them. But like this has arcs for Lanshin. This has arcs for Clark. This has arcs for Chuck. Like it is a full and complete story that really, uh, as you so eloquently said, like makes you want to give it out to people like it is a story that needs to be shared because it's so relevant resonates so well it's so current but it's also incredibly relatable like the clark here is just as goofy as all get out and like the first time that he meets lanshin is as clark and he gives her his suit jacket after the attack on her house. And then the next time he sees her is as Superman. He gives her his cape. Like, ah, man, just this looks again like I, I don't like to use the word, but it's it's a pretty near perfect Superman story. It really is. And I love that. I mean, if if you read the the back essay, it's an adaptation of an old Superman story. Yeah, which is it goes again to the say we keep show. saying like. This is so relevant. This is so like speaking to us right now. And again, Superman never ceases to be relevant. This was a radio show. This this character is eternal. He is our shared myth- American mythology, really. And I think that's sort of what Grant Morrison was trying to express with All-Star Superman, was the idea of Superman as our our mythology, our... Hercules, our Samson, our whatever he may be. And I thought that that was, do you see that flawless transition there? I, I didn't did. want to say anything because I didn't want I was, to like diminish it. I was just like silently I was just going to let you go. Like that was, I was like, <laughs> yeah, don't worry. I'll, wow, pat, I'll pat myself on the, the back. Smoothest transition. Don't worry. I'll pause to tell everyone how great I am. <laughs> you don't have to oh, worry about will. it. He will. I'm not aggressively <laughs> nice. I'm aggressively uh, up my own butt a little bit, but. That's what the podcast. <laughs> that's what podcasts are for. Exactly. True. No one listens to this. They put it on silent at night, <laughs> like that Justin Bieber album. I can say whatever <laughs> I want on here. Oh gosh. I. I'm gonna get a little bit more uh, Dallas Taylor hour here, but as somebody that got my degree in ancient Near Eastern studies, I obviously I love the prototypical hero of history. Right. I love the Gilgamesh. I love the Samson. I love the Hercules. And it was really fun to see Grant Morrison play with that with Superman being like, I mean, he he hits it right on the head in what issue four or issue three when Samson and Atlas show up. Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty on the head of like, here are these cultures versions of this character. And <laughs> Frank, uh, if you could draw them looking exactly like Superman, 
that'd be really great. And we're just gonna have them walk around until you understand what I'm trying to say about this character. But it really expresses the the eternal nature and the eternal value of Superman. I think that All-Star Superman is the least Grant Morrison being Grant Morrison of his famous works, but it still explores a lot of the same concepts of the superheroes being relevant for our world right now, of them being prototypes and sort of the gods of this era that we can follow and we can emulate to live the good life. And that was something new I picked up from this reread of Superman. It's been a few years since I read it last, and I thought that that was a really interesting take right after reading his multiversity a couple weeks ago, where he talks all about how the, the paper superhero was a real thing. Yeah, and I mean, Grant has always, like, they know what the idea of these characters are, but they also know how to get into it from a different angle. Um, this Superman, as you said, is the same kind of Superman that's in Superman Smashes the Clans, the same Superman that's in Superman Birthright. But Grant finds a way to take that same character and still make him feel incredibly uh, real and new. Like this Superman, and you talked about it earlier with um, with Birthright, has that Reeve, you know, slouch down. Like mm-hmm. Frank Whiteley is incredible, incredible. Um, and I'm, I'm right now, I'm like knee deep in a reread of uh, their... Uh, new X-Men run because I got that. Ooh, that, Ooh that's some that, good stuff. That bug bit me thanks to uh, Owen at Owen Likes Comics. Like, oh man, like Grant has always had an affinity for Superman and they've talked about it like in mm-hmm. interviews, but you really get the sense that Grant knows what's at the heart of Superman in this book. Like these are stories that we've heard before. Some that are like wildly new, but like you get the, you understand that Grant knows the essence of Superman from uh, two pages and you actually posted them today on Twitter. <laughs> I was going to bring them up, but the, uh, the two pages that just show you know, Perry just saying, like, I am going to straight up fire this guy if he doesn't show up. Um, and watching, like, Superman still do this very, it's very much in the same, and we don't have to go on this tangent, but it's very much the same as the uh, the Wonder Woman 84 opening, which I absolutely adored. Mm-hmm. That opening is so Donner cheese, and I love everything about it. But It's perfect. It's perfect. It's colorful. It's kind. Yeah. Superhero and then he people. Just, he stumbles in, like stumbles in as Clark, and he could not look less... Um, What's the word? He could not. He could not look less ordinary as Clark Kent in this book, and ah, it's so good. It is so good. I I do want to point out and correct myself. I think I misgendered Grant in my my whole monologue there. Grant Morrison does go by they them pronouns, and that was my bad. But I adore. I adore this book. I love. I think this is my favorite Clark Kent. I think. Grant Morrison and Frank Whiteley working together write my very favorite Clark Kent. As I was reading through 
the issues today and I got to issue five Clark's interview of Lex and just watching him consistently save Lex by bumbling through life is the exact energy <laughs> that I need more of from Clark Kent. And I, I finally have to come out and say, I think Superman, at least 10% of why Superman has become my favorite comic book character in the last five years has been, I loved Peter Parker when I too was a scrawny 15 year old. <laughs> and then when I grew and I became a big old, uh, corn fed guy, <laughs> I was like, now this Superman guy, he, he looks kind of <laughs> like I do. He is very big. Speaking to you. He is a very You're big Dorito fed. Dorito fed, man. Doritos That's just the corn. new age corn. Yeah. New age corn. You open up my fridge, it's all corn. Corn syrup, corn chips. I was going to say, I, th- I think there's corn syrup in Doritos. I haven't, I don't know that for a fact. Don't quote me on that. But there has to be. It's everywhere. But yeah, right. <laughs> but no, like I, I absolutely agree. That issue where he interviews Lex is one of my favorite Superman stories. And I have to bring this up because, like, you mentioned that this is almost like this is your favorite Clark Kent. This is one of my favorite, if not my favorite Lex Luthor's. Oh yeah. Purely because he draws on his eyebrows. <laughs> it was I so good. It was love so good. That aspect of his character. Of course, he's that vain that he draws on his eyebrows. And there's and... a whole sequence where he rubs one away and he has to like fix it real quick. And he turns back around and they're two different eyebrows. And he talks about Clark's eyebrows. Yes. Earlier in the issue, he brings up that Clark has eyebrows like Superman. And it's a little bit it. like, it's like, why are you so obsessed with me, Lex? <laughs> like, Lex Luthor like... so aggressively needs to be held by Superman for 20 minutes. <laughs> and he talks about, yeah, he's just like, you know, you see that? This is, this is man-made muscle. You and me, like, we're, we do our thing. We're men. And Superman just comes in here. And Clark's like, yeah, uh-huh. Yep. We it's sure so good. Are, he's Lex. like, doesn't Superman take away from who you are as a man, <laughs> Superman, Clark? <laughs> he, he's not a real man's man like us. <laughs> he gets this... so close so many times to just saying, wait a second. Like, what? and he huh. just doesn't cross that line. Or yeah, when he's like, you know, and if, uh, if you got rid of some of that flab, you could almost uh, look like Superman. Yeah. Anyway, back to my muscles. Yeah. This it is, is such a good Lex Luthor. It's the perfect distillation between like the Clancy Brown Lex Luthor and the Gene Hackman Lex Luthor. Like the vanity with the intelligence, it's so it's perfect. Like yeah. and his whole his whole arc, because I think this story gives Lex just as much of an arc as Superman, mm-hmm. going from like the guy who in essence, like engineers the death of Superman to this moment where he fully understands how Superman sees the world, this whole, like, and it's all just, it's us. Like it still, like, I still get chills whenever I read that. Yeah. Yeah. I love speaking of how Superman sees humanity when he interacts with the other Kryptonians and he talks about like, oh, well, this is this is my home. Like these are my people. Like I, I don't see myself as above these people. Like I, I am one of them. I was raised here. It doesn't matter where I came from. 
for this particular moment, right? Like I, that really resonated with me. I thought it was a really great character beat for Superman. And and that's like a great character beat in an entire like series of incredible character beats. Like the the um the issue where he goes and essentially meets what we could what has been like rumored for years but never officially confirmed by Grant themselves is he goes to Bizarro World and he meets Zabaro. Mm-hmm. And it has been for years people have said like this is grant writing themselves into this book and i just i love the conversation they have i love this idea that superman is constantly juggling these different universes these different worlds while also trying to hold down a steady job and maintain a relationship with lois it's it goes every single place that a superman story should go And I love the Silver Age charm of it as well. There isn't a a cynical, realistic, air quotes, gritty beat in this whole book. When Clark disappears for two months, he says, I was trapped in the bathroom with three Thanksgiving dinners. (laughs) And you just go with it. Yeah. And that... (laughs) That is some good old superhero content right there. (laughs) That is some gosh content right there. And it's so good it is so so standing in the face of any sort of postmodern take on these characters and i love it i adore it well but i will say that that also you know all of that silver age silliness is absolutely kind of at the front of this with all of the you know dealing with the ultra sphinx and like giving soup giving lois superpowers for a day but we also do get moments of very real very you know um, relevant real world stuff. The scene that everyone takes from this book is the, um, the suicidal team on the roof. Mm-hmm. And that's, there's a reason that people keep coming back to it because it's an incredible, incredible scene where Superman, you know, he says the line that I think all of us need to hear at one point or another in our lives. It's like it, essentially like it's never as bad as it seems like it will get better and it's oh it's it's pure superman and that's really what this book is yeah alexis how did you feel about all-star superman i thought it was really fun um i personally i really liked the the thought of lois having the powers for um 24 hours i know that's like right out the gate but i just thought it was super funny because like she goes from having no idea that (laughs) he's superman to him being like look here i gave you i can give you powers and he's she's like oh okay or how she like hunts him down in his own house yeah (laughs) to like shoot him i was like yeah okay (laughs) i felt that one or two times in a relationship (laughs) i'll hunt you down We've all been there. We've all grabbed a yeah, experimental laser gun and hunted down exactly. our significant other. And the best part is, is like, oh, he's like, well, that's one way to find out that I'm immune to, like, the kryptonite. Yeah, it's yeah. He's gun. like, well, that's new. <laughs> she could have killed him. Oh, it yeah, just—I don't know. It just made me laugh. Or when she was like, um, when we're there with um, Samson and 
Atlas. Yeah, Atlas. And and Superman's like, can you please stop flirting with them? It makes me sad. And Lois is like, no. (laughs) She's like, no. Yeah, she she's so like. And and she like gives the rationale. She's like, you kept a secret from us our entire our entire relationship. Yeah, I I am getting back. I will flirt. I just, if I don't know. I that was like want. my, that was my favorite, or her, or her, the way that he made her her super outfit. Yeah. I was like, "Where's her pants, Clark?" That seems a little planned. Again, Clark's very like, Silver Age with that design. Uh, Clark's like, "Sorry, it's just so hard to wear these fabrics. I, I didn't make any pants." Rats. Wink. Wink. Uh, so anyway, want to go Mac on the moon for a second? <laughs> Exactly. Aggressively nice. Aggressively ordinary Clark Kent. Good old ordinary Clark Kent. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing special about him. Not a thing. And if that, that should be your one takeaway from this podcast is that there's nothing really special about Superman. And this was really a podcast about Batman all along. So anyway, (laughs) Bruce Wayne is the only relatable character because I too have way too much time on my hands and come up with ways to defeat people. And a butler. And a butler, and I've adopted seventy-four teenagers <laughs> and trained them to be my it's own like personal a army. Plantation, but with teenagers. <laughs> I, th- I think Cassandra Cain makes seventy-five, actually. Yeah. Oh, exactly. No, One hundred and one Robins. <laughs> I okay. Okay. <laughs> now wait a second. That's the comic I'm gonna now, hold write. Hold on. One hundred and one Robins. Yes, I'd like that a DC, in the DC back on. round robin. Yeah, put it in the round robin. One hundred and one Robins. <laughs> one hundred and one Robins, and we just have. Uh, we just have Tim Drake as the one who's just like, but I'm hungry. I really am. <laughs> oh, it's Dallas, spirit animal. <laughs> that my first tweet, my first free. tweet in like three years was him <laughs> commenting, commenting on his tweet about him being Rolly the dog from 101 Dalmatians. I love that puppy. He's so cute. It's so I think good. we're putting together a pretty good round robin at this point. We've got 101. <laughs> we've got 101 robins. We have Superman. He's just nice. He's just nice for six straight issues. We have Lois Lane and Lan Chen Lee reporters story. Again, no superheroes there. I want there to be no superhero antics in our DC comics. (laughs) (laughs) Just cut it out completely. The Robins are are only in in their costumes in the very opening of the first issue to just establish who they are. And then you never see them in costume again. Perfect. It's perfect. And it's a teen drama. It's, and it's they great. have to go to normal high school. They all look the same, except just different hairstyles. We go classic anime. They're they're all just... It's like that splash page from the Court of Owls, where it's yes. just Bruce Wayne, like six different sizes. Yes. Oh, I love Greg. We're really onto something here. I love, I love his artwork, but that is one of the funniest pages in comics. Just, <laughs> oh, you got... That's a couple Bruces there. A couple Bruces you got. All righty, then. Perfect. That's a, all right, we're just wearing it on our sleeves now. He's got a thing for uh, black-haired children that look like him. You know, he was just—he was—he was still figuring things out. He was still figuring things out at that point. <laughs> I like the idea that they—they they look different from him, and he grooms them into looking like him. He's like, if you're going to be an adopted child of mine, you're going to dye your hair black. I still go with the headcanon that Jason Todd is a redhead. Yeah. Yeah. Still like. And that he has to dye his hair black constantly. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We need, we need a splash page of him box dyeing his hair in the bathtub. 
All right, so, so we see, have that, the... that is an entire issue of 101 yeah. Robins. <laughs> yeah. It's just Jason Todd runs out of how Paradise, much he spends on boxes, and he has to go to every department store in Gotham <laughs> looking for the the exact color. Yeah, <laughs> that's why Batman he calls Black. himself Red Hood now. Oh my! It was right there. It was right there. It was right. In, it's like Superman smashing the Klan. It's right there in front of us. It's right there. Take that, liberals. Right there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh no oh no <laughs> oh it's good it's good i think we have yeah i like our round robin i want some iteration of love island but for the dc characters oh that's just teen titans academy oh you're right you're right i missed it <laughs> that's just dick grayson's love life right now he's being bounced around like a volleyball though i still i love teen Titans. just as another quick you know tangent because we haven't had enough hmm. um I love Teen Titans Academy purely because Dick Grayson is dad bod Dick Grayson. Oh, yeah. That is so un- just incredible to me. It's right up there with dad bod Spider-Man from Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, yeah. When he lets that it is, all out. Yes. <laughs> I love that is my favorite Peter Parker. And dad bod Dick Grayson is quickly becoming my favorite Dick Grayson. It's important. It's important to see to see myself on the panel, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel seen. Not I everybody's do. built like Godzilla. I'm like, you know, no, some of us are just dummy <laughs> thick on the bottom half. Some of us are built like Godzilla, and that's the issue. <laughs> some of us you. just are built like Frank Quietly Clark Kent. We just exactly. we are that way. That's all right. Not all of us can be a Jorge Jimenez piece, but we <laughs> all can be a Frank Quietly piece. <laughs> this is the ideal body, and you all just need to deal with it. <laughs> got to be built like a refrigerator you don't have to like it but you have to accept it exactly <laughs> just come to uh, terms all right everybody let's we got to write down these ideas for our round robin but let's have a little bit of a wrap-up talking about superman in general and sort of our takeaways from the books in general um i can i can go first because i like hearing myself talk but <laughs> i i loved these books I think for years and years, I could I felt rebuffed by Superman ongoings. I tried in the New 52. I missed Rebirth. It was during a gap in my comic reading. Oh. I've tried, I tried to hop on with the Bendis stuff. Don't worry. I am going back to Rebirth. When that omnibus comes out, I'm disappearing for like three straight days. Same. I'm, I'm making myself wait for it, which is one of the hard, one of the biggest trials of my life has been waiting for that omnibus. Harder than college. You have some Kryptonian strength there, man. Uh, what can I say? Just good at transitions and round robins and waiting for books. <laughs> it's all that corn-fed stuff. Exactly. That it's all that. It's all that Dorito corn dust. <laughs> <laughs> but I think these books capture why Superman is magic, and I love that at the beginning of this era, you said that you have a hundred percent conversion rate with All Star Superman, because I genuinely feel that way about all three of these books. I feel like I could hand anybody that wants to understand Superman, Superman Birthright, Superman Smashes the Clan, or All Star Superman, and they would get it. They would you get guys why did this do is that. important. Yeah. You did that to me. Yeah. Uh, tell us about that, Alexis. Tell us about what these books did for you reading them. I think I've I have gushed enough about my farm boy. <laughs> well, honestly, I loved them. I I feel like I said that at the beginning, but um. 
I really, really loved them. And I really felt like I knew what was going on. And I mean, I feel like everybody has a pretty base level knowledge of what Superman is. And like, of course, we've all seen him all over. But um, my knowledge kind of going into it, I always, I just, I feel like I have this image in my mind of when, is it Batman versus Superman? Is that the name of the movie? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to bring up the movie. V, v Superman, I believe, is the uh, is the appropriate title. Uh, yeah, the the yeah. one true Superman is actually the subtitle. <laughs> Best characterization, that, Superman. That hurts Donna me on a, on a fundamental level when you say that. <laughs> he just <Yeah>. log off. <laughs> yeah. He just Oop. leaves after an hour and a half. He's like, nope. This nope. Been great. Not but friends no. anymore. So long. <laughs> I feel like I just like had this image of because it's. Henry Cavill that pray, mm-hmm. plays him. Yeah. Um, I just have this image of him when he's like shooting his angry laser beams at Batman. And I'm like, yeah, he's kind of scary. Like, I feel like I kind of didn't like him because I thought that he was scary. Like, I was like, yeah, he if he ever decided to just hate everyone, we'd all be dead. And so I was like, yeah, I don't really vibe with the thought of that. But then like reading these, he's just like a little gentle Clark. He's just, just a little guy who's just happy and nice all the time. And I'm like, how have we strayed so far into two separate, two separate people? And it just was really cool to see like what he was initially, like what he was written to be. And I really liked um, getting to know his origin better and seeing him in different time periods and different stages of his life. So that's what I liked. I love yeah. that. It's and I oh man I'm so glad that this is like that these are books that you can literally give to anybody like this is what's great about Superman that I don't think a lot of people get is that Superman is one of the most human characters despite him being an alien he is one of the most human comic book characters who's ever created they knocked it out of the park with the very first one and. Mm-hmm. These books, like all three of them, like if someone wants to learn more about Superman or they've, you know, they've never been into the character, you can give them these books. If you want a story about someone who's trying to think about the legacy that they're going to leave behind, the mark that they're going to leave on the earth, you give them all all star Superman. If you're looking for somebody who's trying to come to terms with themselves and trying to figure out who they want to be, you give them Superman smashes the clan. If you want a story about someone who's making a drastic change in their life, coming to terms with the fact that not everybody's going to like you, but that's maybe okay. You give them Superman birthright. Like he is this character who you can put into situations and put into stories and get these fundamental lessons that not everybody gets all the time. Um, a, A lot of my life, a lot of my values, you know, as a human being come from the stories of Superman come from his you know his experiences his perspective and it superman is a fundamental character in my life he's a fundamental influence in my life and if i can help people get this character that i love and i hold so near and dear to my heart even for just one story if i can get them to understand why this character is so great why he matters why he's relevant and why he is not this brooding, you know, angry God from the sky, but this, you know, 
glass, you know, bespectacled soft boy, like who just wants to help people and be aggressively ordinary, like then I've done my job like this. These are three incredible stories on their own, but they're three amazing Superman stories. I agree. I that was great. I couldn't say anything half that well about the character. Um, I know. I feel like that's a good like, just cut it. We're good. There it is. I have loved this character and argued for him for a very long time. He's like, I've prepped for this. You don't realize this is my whole thing. Yeah, this was actually my dissertation for my <laughs> my class. Perfect. Yeah, we'll be collecting the fee for the college course that we just gave you, <laughs> uh-uh. along with the therapy as well. We double exactly. Double this is an expensive. I mean, it has episode. been an hour, so we could charge two hundred dollars. So. <laughs> yeah, if you listen to this on silent on your bedstand, surprise, you're getting a Venmo request. <laughs> I'm going to do that. I'm going to Venmo request mom. Surprise, Lisa. This is where you are listening. Therapy and college credit. (laughs) Exactly. The worst part is she'd probably be like, oh, okay. And then you'd have to be like, oh, She'd be like, oh, okay. And then she'd say, yeah. And then you'd have to feel like a jerk. Yeah. (laughs) I still feel like a jerk. She like wholeheartedly is like, yeah, I'm helping you pay your rent. And I'm like, hey, will you like Venmo me for my rent? And she's like, sure. And I'm like, Even though she's like, she's like, told me, she's like, I'm going to help you. And I'm like, will you please help me? She's like, sure. Tangent. Sorry. Perfect. No, that's actually, that's what we're going to close on. We're going to forget what Eric just said. We're going to close. Yeah, my my whole, just cut this whole part. That whole thing. We're going to talk about your rent situation. That's what we're going to close. I mean, I did get my keys today. I'm going back over there right now. So as we as we head into the second half of this podcast. Yeah, uh, so coming back from the commercial break, we'd like to talk about 101 Robins. Robin number seven. nine. His name is Leon. He um he wore an, a Robin outfit at the beginning, but not for the rest of the series. All right, Robin number 10. And we just do that for an hour. His and name half. is Noel. That's Leon backwards. <laughs> come up with 50 names and we just flip them <laughs> and they get more and more ridiculous the only reason i had a co-worker once who was um the sweetest person but she was kind of a space cadet and her name was noelle and one day we were all in the break room and she just like out of the blue just said my name backwards is leon <laughs> unprompted <laughs> and i that will stick with me for the rest of my life <laughs> He'll be on your deathbed and he'll be like, my name backwards is Leon. Her name backwards was Leon. And they're like, no, your name isn't. And you just pass the last thing you say to your loved ones. That'll be on the gravestone. His last, his name backwards was Leon. Oh, Oh, it's perfect. All right. So, uh, Leon, do you want to plug some of your stuff for our listeners? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Um, as uh, as Dallas so eloquently uh, explained at the beginning of this Power Hour, um, I do have a podcast of my own. It's the Geek Explain podcast. You can find us wherever podcasts are found. I talk about all manners of geek culture, comic books, TV shows, video games. Um, we just had our three-year anniversary, uh, over 150 episodes. I am very proud of the podcast, um, but I just... It's it's a lot of this. It's a lot of me just rambling just against a wall 
And if you want to join on that and you want to, you know, hear me talk more about Superman or things that I care about, I actually did a, if I could be so bold to plug an episode, um, I did yeah. an episode called uh, Superman, a history of uh history of social injustice where I kind of tracked from his uh, creation all the way to the modern day, how relevant Superman is through history. It's one of my favorite episodes. I did it last year. Um, just talking about how relevant the character is, how he's always fought against uh, social injustice and the things that a lot of people try to stick onto the character. So um, again, I always love talking about Superman. I actually, for uh our 100th episode, I pitched my version of a Superman film. It's my favorite episode of the entire podcast. It's incredible. Um, not saying that the pitch is incredible. You can make that up, make up your own mind itself. But um, I'm sure it's incredible. I'm going to go back I'm, and listen to it. I'm sure it's garbage. But um, but that's what we do. We that's what we like. Earlier. Don't you it's remember? garbage opinions we, for garbage we like content. <laughs> so you're hitting all the right notes telling me that it's garbage. I guess I am. That's if you want to hear garbage, just come listen to Geeks Play Podcast. <laughs> Make that the tagline. You won't. <laughs> I I'm gonna put I'm gonna put in that up on the in the Twitter bio. I'm gonna keep that up there for a week for you. Perfect. That's what I'm I'm gonna make that when this episode goes live, I will put that as the Twitter bio for a week. You can all That's hold like... me to it. I will I do hope that. that. Somebody that doesn't listen to this sees that and they think you're like going through it. You know, <laughs> I hope someone. Hey, are you okay? Hey, I saw your bio. I really think your podcast is great. <laughs> no, you want to remember in our episode with Sweet Anne, how we all said that we were comic book sugar babies? Mm hmm. Yeah, I put that in my bio and a friend from high school DM'd me and was like, What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Because, oh, like, it's not really my, like, M.O. from when I was in high school that I read <laughs> comics. And so they're, like, WTF. Or that you were a sugar oh, I, baby? I was going to say. I the was comic saying... books was the thing that raised the eyebrow? <laughs> I was like, I would hope no, your No, I did have a lot of creepy old men hit me up in high school. I'm going to be honest. She's like, I mean, sugar baby, sure, but comic books. Come on. <laughs> what are you I'm doing? Weirdo. That's, that's the a... more alarming part. But yeah, if you if you want to see me, put that as my Twitter bio. At uh, Geeksplain Pod is the place to find me. Um, an and then transition. ice cold transition. If you want to see my adventures in Sugar Baby uh, apprenticeship, you can follow me at That Daring Man on Twitter. That's my personal account. But the podcast is uh super close super close to 100 followers and i really just i want to hit that benchmark i would love that it's a great podcast i i reached out to you because i like your podcast so i hope you know at least one person really enjoys what you're doing every week and i would highly recommend it to anybody listening to this thank you so much man yeah all right this has been another episode of the comics collective thank you for sticking along with us if you have us on mute thank you as well <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back charge? yeah you'll be getting a Venmo charge because we know who you are but we will be back next week with a Giant Days episode featuring Ooh. Anne again from Anne Talks Comics awesome. and Evan from the Twitter account Evan not Evan it'll be a fun episode so make sure to come back next week and thank you so much thanks guys